And a very warm welcome to our earlier service at, uh, <coughs> sorry, 10.55. Uh, if you're a visitor, very warm welcome to you. It's good to have you with us. Sorry, I lost my poppy. It's good to have you with us. Uh, on this special Sunday, Remembrance Sunday, the 2nd November in the year, uh, the anniversary of the end of hostilities at the end of World War One. And uh, it's a real chance for us to stop and remember and give thanks for the people who uh, gave their lives and sacrificed so much in the First World War, the Second World War, and in conflicts uh, since. And to enjoy the freedoms that we're able to enjoy because of what they uh, did. Uh, but just before we have our two minutes silence, which we'll have at 11... Uh, I'm just going to read uh, an event that happened in the war. Uh, it's a, a local event to hear. It's called uh, Tragedy at Crowborough. Uh, many people died fighting uh, in the war, fighting in France, fighting abroad. Uh, but some people died before they even got abroad. And uh, this is just an account of, of some who didn't even make it to the war. Says the 4th Canadian Armoured Division had been camped on the Ashdown Forest since November 1943. Here they had conducted rigorous training to prepare them to fight in the forthcoming Second Front in Europe. The war diaries reveal excitement at the news of June the 6th, 1944, and the expectation that they would soon be in action. This incident at Crowborough involved. B Company of the Lincoln and Welland Regiment. Camping near Crowborough Common, the company had marched out to Gill's Lap on Ashdown Forest at 8 o'clock until 5 o'clock to conduct company training, including an anti-tank exercise. Arriving back at their campsite, B Company's day was due to end in tragedy at 6.25. And this is a short diary account from that day. An enemy P-plane or flying bomb flying northwest, crashed into a strip of woods immediately adjacent to B Company's headquarters, resulting in the deaths of seven men and serious injury to 17. Casualties, including Company Sergeant Major Wing, who died on admittance to hospital. The company headquarters, stores and field kitchen were fatally destroyed, as well as personal kit of all the company officers and various men. Excellent work was done by all medical personnel within the unit under the supervision of the medical officer. Civilian doctors and civil defence personnel were on hand to assist in removing the wounded to hospital. Major B. Fisher, although slightly wounded, assisted in the identification of the dead men and aided the wounded before being removed to hospital himself. Says one can only imagine the scene of carnage. But it's hard for us, isn't it, to imagine the horror of war. That was something that happened just a mile or so away, a couple of miles away. It's hard for us to imagine. So what we're going to do is uh, please stand. And we're going to play the last post. And in the video that plays, uh, there'll be a short two-minute silence. So please stand and we'll play the video. Thank you. 
Let's pray together. Lord God, we come together this morning to remember. To remember and to give thanks for those who gave their lives and sacrificed so much in the service of others. Lord, we remember with sadness the destruction and the impact and pain caused by so much human conflict. And Lord, I pray that you would make us truly grateful, Lord, for the freedoms that so many of us have today and for what they've done in the past. And Lord, I thank you that we can look to you, Lord, the God who is over all things. And Lord, I thank you that this morning we can hear from your word as you speak to us. Lord, that is a wonderful privilege. And Lord, I pray that it would do each one of us good as we hear you speaking to us. Lord, as John speaks to us later with the title, uh, The End of War. Lord, I pray that this be a wonderful topic for us to think about this morning. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you stay standing, sorry, uh, because we're going to sing. Uh, we're going to sing, Our God, Our Help in the Ages Past. And uh, this is a song that points our eyes up to God. So let's stand and uh, sing together. And then uh, afterwards, uh, Steve Sharp is going to do our first reading from Isaiah 40. Thank you.
Our reading is from Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. And if you have the church Bible, that's page 599. Comfort. Comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. (coughs) Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice said, Cry. And I said, What shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Go on up to the high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold the Lord, God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will cry, them in, carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. God's word is infallible and we pray that it may be a blessing to us as John speaks to us later. Well, let's come to God again in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for prayer. Lord, we thank you that we can stop again now. And Lord, we can speak to you. And Lord, it is because of Jesus that we can come to you and that we can pray. And I thank you so much for that. Lord, as we're uh, thinking of sacrifice this morning, Lord, we know that there's no greater sacrifice than you gave Sending your son, Jesus, to shed his blood for us so that we can be forgiven and saved. And Lord, we thank you for that. We pray that we would also remember that this morning. Lord, I I pray that you'd help us to look to you. Lord, we feel that now, as much as ever, Lord, we need you. Lord, as we look around the world around us, Lord, we thank you that there's not a world war going on, but 
Lord, every day there is suffering, there is pain, there is conflict. And Lord, we need you. And Lord, we thank you that we can communicate with you. We can pray to you. We thank you for that. But Lord, we do have this morning, as a remembrance service, Lord, as an opportunity to particularly remember those who have served, those who have given their lives, others who maybe survived but suffered greatly, maybe still suffer, those who have been in wars more recently. Lord, many of us have never experienced a true war. Lord, maybe we've seen it in films or we've seen video footage of war, but Lord, few of us have experienced real war, the horror of it, the grief, families being ripped apart, so much pain, so much destruction. Lord, we we pray for those in the world today who are affected by war. Lord, many are. Lord, we pray for them. Lord, we pray that you would show yourself to them. Lord, we we pray for those who are in the armed forces and others who seek to protect us, to keep us safe, who work hard to do that. Lord, we pray that you would help them and guide them. Lord, that they would be able to do that well. Lord, we pray that good would overcome evil. Lord, we thank you that we can look forward to a day, one day, Lord, when you will deal with evil once and for all. Lord, what a glorious day that will be. Lord, we long for it. And we pray for it to come soon. Lord, many of us don't have a huge amount of power or responsibility in this world. But Lord, I pray that in the areas that we're in, the people that we meet, the places we work, Lord, I pray that we would be peacekeepers. Lord, we would be people who love peace. And Lord, maybe there are times when we need to forgive or forget things in order to keep the peace. Lord, I pray that we would do that. Lord, I pray that we would be like Jesus. Lord, he is the great example, the ultimate peacekeeper. Lord, I pray that we would do good in this world around us. Lord, that we would be people of love because you have loved us. Lord, do help us in that, I pray. Lord, sometimes that is so very hard. Lord, especially if we feel we've been wronged. Lord, I pray that you would give us a great heart of love. And a great heart of mercy and grace. Lord, because that is what you are like. Lord, you are a God who is slow to anger, full of compassion, full of mercy and grace. Lord, we pray these things, Lord, with your help. And Lord, there's also all sorts of other things going on in the world today. Lord, we we pray for your help with all these things. Lord, we think of uh, the the leaders of the world gathering together or having gathered together. I was thinking about climate change, thinking about some of the the big issues in the world. 
Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you would give them wisdom to make wise and right decisions. Lord, and I pray that we would pray for them too. And Lord, sometimes we can have our opinions about things. Sometimes we can not always feel favourably towards them. But Lord, I pray that whatever we feel, Lord, I pray that we would pray for them because, Lord, that's what you instruct us to do. And Lord, I pray that they would look to you. Lord, it seems so unlikely that they would do that. But Lord, we see in your word, leaders of the world looking to you. And Lord, we pray that that would happen again today. Lord, we long for that. And Lord, we pray for us this morning. Lord, as we uh, open up your word to hear what you've got to say. Lord, as John speaks about the end of war, Lord, something that's so relevant this morning. Lord, I pray that we'd have eager ears to listen. We'd have soft hearts uh, to be changed. Lord, I pray that you would use John to speak to us. Lord, that it would be powerful. Lord, that our lives would be changed. Lord, that we'd go away from this place um, knowing more of you and rejoicing. And Lord, if we don't know more, Lord, I pray that we'd talk to someone to find out more. So Lord, do be with us this morning, I pray. Speak to us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I've just got another short reading. Uh, this is from Isaiah, uh, sorry, Psalm. No, it is Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53, I've written it wrong. Verses 4 to 6. Isaiah 53, verses 4 to 6. Have those who work evil no knowledge, who eat up my people as they eat bread, and do not call upon God, Surely, that is Psalm. Okay, try again. It fitted in quite well in some ways. Right, Isaiah 53, I'm going to read from the screen. Surely, he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Well, we're going to sing, and then John is going to speak from those passages. So we're going to sing, God is our refuge, our strength and refuge. God is our strength and refuge, our present help in trouble. Let's sing together.
So we, we especially uh, remember today the, the immense loss uh, on this Remembrance Sunday, the soldiers, uh, the members of the RAF, the members of the Navy, others involved with the conflicts in the world wars and since uh, their sacrifice for their country and for future generations. But we remember it through the lens of finished wars. We remember it through the lens of finished wars, of peace being restored. And that makes such a difference to what we're thinking about this morning. Uh, Remembrance Day, or the 11th of November, Thursday, is Armistice Day. It's the day when fighting ceased, the war was won, peace was returning. Our Bible message this morning is from Isaiah 40 that we had read. And uh, it ties in, I think, with Remembrance Sunday. Uh, It's a great chapter. It's a chapter about the greatness of God. And the children who were here last week heard a message from this chapter about the hands of God. Perhaps you remember that, children. This is how the chapter starts. And you'll see the connection with today as I just read the first two verses again. Our title, you'll see, is The End of the War. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. God had got some things for this man, Isaiah, to say. He'd got some big announcements. In fact, in this chapter, the verses we read, there are four things that are cried out, said, announced, shouted. We've had just one of them there in the first two verses. It says, and cry to her, shout to her, verse 2. There's another in verse 3, a voice cries. Uh, There is another in verse 6, a voice says cry and said, what shall I cry? And a message is then given for them to announce. And then we have another in verse 9, where there is something heralded, where there is something said and announced. Now some of these things... Isaiah announced for his time. He is God's prophet. He's in the 8th century BC. He, he speaks to a group of people, that's the people of Judah, who had ignored God and who were going to get into deep trouble. They would suffer invasion from a fierce enemy, And that happened in 587 BC by the Babylonian Empire. There would be some dreadful years, uh, but they would come to an end. So he says some things which are relevant to the people of his day. But uh, however, in God's arrangement of things, his man is saying something which zooms through the centuries, which has relevance to the coming of Jesus 
and which lands on us here in the 21st century with a message very relevant to us. It affects all of humanity, the things that are discussed here. Something even bigger than just, something bigger than even, I should say, a world war. Now, all four announcements are, are, are relevant this morning. I'd like to tug in bits of, of different ones of them, but I'm going to have to be focused, and our main focus will be these first two verses. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. We're going to think about four different things this morning just to help us through. This is the first point, the end of the war. The end of the war. Here is a, a broadcast, we're going to watch a broadcast made by Winston Churchill on May the 7th, 1945. It's just under a minute and a half long and you'll see the relevance of it, I hope, if, if we can watch that broadcast. This is London. The Prime Minister, the Right Honourable Winston Churchill. Yesterday morning... At 2.41 a.m. at General Eisenhower's headquarters, General Jodl, the representative of the German High Command and of Grand Admiral Dönitz, the designated head of the German state, signed the act of unconditional surrender of all German land, sea and air forces in Europe to the Allied Expeditionary Forces and simultaneously to the Soviet High Command. Uh, hostilities will end officially at one minute after midnight tonight, Tuesday the 8th of May. But in the interest of saving lives, the ceasefire began yesterday to be sounded along all the fronts. And uh, our dear Channel Islands are also to be free today. The German war is therefore at an end. The German warfare is therefore at an end. Uh, moving scenes, aren't they? And moving words that we saw. Words that have been so longed for over six dreadful years. Uh, the war had ended in Europe at least. It carried on in Japan for some months more. What great news that was for those in a, a tattered, war-torn country. What news that was for those who still had loved ones over the channel involved with the conflict. The end of the war. Isaiah's uh, great announcement here is the end of a war. The time of invasion for the people of Judah in Jerusalem would come to an end. That was his immediate fulfilment. But the, it, it points to the end of a, a bigger war. It points to the end of a bigger war. 
the other world war, if you like. And that is the war against God. Humanity has caused it. It's as if we took up arms and turned against God and his kindness and his leadership. We've been against God. Perhaps you haven't thought about it in that way before, but the Bible makes clear that that is the case. It says that we have made ourselves enemies of God. Although none of us like warfare, I think most people, most of you will probably think, as the Allies did, as the UK did, as the Commonwealth did, that it was right to resist the Nazi advances in the Second World War. It was a just and righteous cause. Well, God righteously resists the pride, the unbelief, the selfishness, the greed that has been hurled at him from our own hearts, our sin, our wrongdoing, our guilt. So there is this state of war, humanity versus God, and it needed to be dealt with. And the announcement of Isaiah that we're reading this morning points forward to a day when it can be said that this warfare has been dealt with and is ended and is finished. So this is excellent news that we're thinking of this morning. We can move on. The arrival that brings peace. So the World War II uh, ended uh, largely because of a great arrival uh, from Normandy onwards, from the D-Day landing onwards in June 1944. The Allied forces were heading up Europe towards Germany. The Soviet forces as well were heading uh, westward with the capital in their sights. On the 30th of April in 1945, there was the taking in Berlin of the historic Reichstag building. On the same day, the 30th of April, knowing that defeat was unstoppable, Hitler commits suicide. The arrival of the armed forces made the difference. It led to the end of the war. Isaiah, in his second and his fourth announcements in these verses, talks of a great arrival. So much part of the good news for humanity. We, we read about it in verses three and five, three to five. A voice cries, uh, the, a royal arrival is here. In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill shall be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places are plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed for all flesh shall see it together. We read about it as well in verses 9 and 10. Go up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might. It wasn't the coming of troops. It was the coming of the Lord being pointed forward to. 
God was coming to bring deliverance. These verses point to the coming of God's Son, to the coming of Jesus. There are words here that are later used by John the Baptist to describe what he is doing as he prepares the way of the Lord. Jesus is God in the flesh. God has visited our planet. The coming of Jesus is the key to the end of our warfare with God, the arrival that brings peace. Now, I don't know if you've ever truly realised that Jesus is God coming in the flesh. We soon will come to our Christmas period. We'll be thinking about things like that. I don't know if you've ever realised how significant it was. This is Emmanuel, God with us, God coming in flesh, and his purpose is to do what it takes to end this warfare and to end these hostilities between humanity and God. We can think a bit further in our couple of verses about the war ending properly. Now, the announcement we saw from Winston Churchill, it demonstrated that uh, things had been dealt with, that the war had ended. The German High Command had its representatives there on television. Uh, Signatures were being made. It's not unclear. It wasn't fuzzy. There was unconditional surrender. There was signed documentations. It was agreed the war was ended. It was dealt with properly. It was very clear. And Isaiah makes clear the warfare with God uh, ended properly. Verse 2, speak tenderly to Jerusalem, cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. The great sticking point was our sins. We can't be welcomed to God because of all that we have done wrong. Justice, God's righteous justice, demands that that wrongdoing is dealt with and punished and you or I cannot overcome that problem or approach God on our own. And yet here, in this great announcement, which Isaiah announces, he talks of iniquity being pardoned or sins being forgiven. Payment has been made And it's been made amply. They've received double for all their sins. Fully. It is dealt with. Uh, It may refer to the folding over of a a piece of paper, doubled over, sort of enclosed, exactly fitting, dealt with, case shut. The warfare is ended. It's been dealt with. How has God dealt with guilt and wrongdoing? How come it's been paid for? Well, the coming of the Allied forces, as we're remembering very thoughtfully today, involved tremendous sacrifice. I don't know if you ever see the Festival of Remembrance on a Saturday evening. I saw some of it yesterday and uh, struck again at the sacrifice made on our behalf. Heard again, was struck by those that telling uh, peace, go home and tell them, For your tomorrow we gave our today. 
find it moving when thousands upon thousands of poppies are, are gently dropped from the roof of Albert Hall and they fall on the hats of the servicemen and of the carpet around representing thousands and thousands of lost lives. We remember the end of war achieved through sacrifice today. And God's Son coming to the earth came in order to be a sacrifice. He came to give his life. He came on the cross to take God's justice and punishment instead of others. Uh, We were reminded of that in the verses from Isaiah 53. But he was pierced for our transgressions. This was long before Jesus came, centuries before, pointing to what he would do. Yet we esteemed him, so he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Some of the last words of Jesus were spot on to what we're thinking of this morning. He said with a loud voice at the end, it is finished. He had prayed the price. Justice had been met. A loving sacrifice had been made. Greater love has no one than this. And he lays down his life for his friends. It had been properly dealt with. The documents, if you like, have been signed, not by the German high command, but in blood at the cross as the penalty for sin and guilt is paid for. So we remember this morning sacrifice, bringing peace, and that's what happened at the cross too. I wonder if you realise that. That's where your only prospect of true peace with God comes in what was done at the cross. Well, our last point will be this. Good news to celebrate. Good news to celebrate. The news of the end of the war is great news, isn't it? The announcement that Sir Winston gave was good and comforting and reassuring and reasons for celebration. And we're now going to have Uh, read to us um, a a part of an account from a 15-year-old girl, Joan Steyan, of what happened in London after the Victory in Europe announcement. So, Laura, if you wouldn't mind coming up and reading through those paragraphs so that we can be reminded of some of those events. Thank you. VE Day was officially declared on the 8th of May, 1945. But war in Europe was definitely over on that magic night before when London surged into life. My mother said to me, let's go to the West End, Joan, and join in the celebrations. So we jumped on a train from our nearby Clapham Junction to Victoria and were astounded to see such huge, swirling crowds. We tried desperately to make our way to Buckingham Palace and staggered shoulder to shoulder with the crowds. What an incredible sight. A wave of humanity confronted us. Impassioned emotions would never be as high again. London was aflame with human exhilaration. Bonfires blazed continuously over London, and the sky was alight with the glow of victory. 
No more suffering and hardship. Peace had finally descended upon us, and everybody was at one with another, regardless of race, creed, and status. Survival and freedom were all that mattered. We had waited so very long for this, and in our wildest dreams had never envisaged a night like this. Mum and I finally reached Buckingham Palace with much effort and laughter, and joined in the masses converging on the palace and celebrating outside. Hundreds of people, all waving flags, were crowded in front of the palace and drifting in from Piccadilly and Regent Street and throwing down the mall. They sang their hearts out with many of the war songs, particularly the Vera Ling favourites, and London was deafened once again, not from bombs and artillery fire, but from the depths of human feeling in utter, utter relief that their beloved city of London, which had endured so much, was free. Dear old London, this was its finest hour. Fireworks streaked through the sky instead of searchlights and bombers. The pent-up spirits of the long, weary war burst out and the whole of London was ablaze with celebration. No more suffering. Peace at last. Survival and freedom were all that mattered. London was submerged in jubilation and screams of relief from humanity. People climbed on anything they could, statues, buildings, cars, and every lamppost was scaled. Noisy dustbin lids were banged and the hysterical crowds were totally beyond any order. Nothing mattered, only freedom. The ultimate heights of pent-up human emotion were as they had never been and probably will never be again. read to us the end of the war celebration as a result Isaiah's announcement was great news in verse 9 twice it's talked about heralding good news if we turn to God sorry for what we've done wrong if we trust in Jesus who died on the cross for sinners, if we trust in him as God's solution to the end of the warfare, then we too have peace. Peace with God. And there's something to celebrate, something to enjoy, something to be amazed at. When the lost son returned home to his father in the story Jesus told there was a big celebration at uh, the peace, the restoration it was so immense wasn't it the relief and celebrations fireworks streaked through the sky instead of searchlight and bombers the pent up spirits of the long weary war burst out and the whole of London was ablaze with celebration No more suffering, peace at last, survival and freedom were all that mattered. Well, you may be young or you may be old, but I would love you to experience that freedom, that joy, that peace that comes when knowing that your warfare with God is over. 
that the price has been paid, that Jesus has died for your sins. Uh, Today is a day when we remember, genuinely remember, great sacrifice that brought us freedom, the end of the world wars. Well, it would be a great day if we too come to find our hostility with God, our friction, our warfare, his frown, all dealt with as we understand and place our trust in his provision of a sacrifice, the Lord Jesus Christ, who brings peace. So it is a day of thankfulness as we think of the end of the wars. But I pray as well that it may be a day that personally we find brings us peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, we're going to sing together our last hymn. It's a hymn which is used nationally, perhaps internationally, I don't know, but it was actually written by somebody from Crowborough. It's a, it's a personal response to the coming of Jesus and to his death on the cross. As you think through the words as we sing them, you'll realise he really understands what was happening at the cross and it's given him freedom and it's given him peace and it's given him a desire to serve God. These are the words of somebody who has repented and believed and rejoices in what God has done in the provision of his son. The song is, At the cross of Jesus, I would take my place, drawn by such a measure of redeeming grace. Fill my eyes with sorrow, lift my eyes to see Jesus Christ my Saviour, crucified for me. Let's sing our last hymn and stand to sing.
I'm going to close in prayer just to say that refreshments are available outside so if you want to stay around and mix there will be uh, cups of tea and coffee and so forth available. Let's pray. Lord, we are freshly amazed this morning at loving sacrifice and its benefits for us. We thank you for those who gave their lives. We're thankful to be reminded of what Jesus did out of love in giving his life and for what that accomplishes. We thank you for that last hymn and the personal response of trust and service as a result. We know that sacrifice should stir response. It should stir thankfulness. It should stir devotion. We pray it will in our hearts in respect of what you have done in sending your Son. And we pray this in his name. Amen.